So we're going to read Psalm 51. I don't know if it's going to be up there. There it is. Okay. This is in the New King James. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I brought forth, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean, and wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will leech and teach transgressions your ways. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. What I'm hearing the Lord say this morning is that we need our heart to be right and prepared. We need it to be cleansed and ready to do His work. We need to reprioritize and truly make God first as we say we do in our actions and our deeds. Amen. Because he has every pleasure that we would ever need or want. I had the great opportunity to go by the hospital last week and pray for a man, his family, 
who is awaiting a heart transplant. And as I walked into the room, the Lord began to speak to me. I got the call from Jody and go by the hospital and I thought, go by the hospital and pray. Almost a routine type thing, you know, we pray for each other as we do and that God will bless and heal and recover. But God began to speak to me. And he said that this is something for the whole church. And he said, I will give you a new heart. Now, as many of, as many of, of you know, when we accept the Lord into our life, If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And at that moment, we become a new creature. And he gives us a new heart, the heart that David is talking about in Psalm 51. But God said, I am going to reach into the church And I am going to reform, not a heart unto salvation, for I have already given that to you. But I am going to reform your heart. And I am going to restore unto you the joy of your salvation. And I am going to set you on fire like you have never been set on fire before. I will revive you. I will ignite you. But you have to first surrender to me. Open the door. I cannot clean your house unless you allow me to come in. If you continue to hide what's in the house from me, then I will not come in and clean it. If you sweep everything under the rug and under the bed so that no one can see it, then it won't truly be cleaned. It will just be hidden. But God said, I am going to restore. I am going to Blot out, I am going to justify as if it never happened, as if those things were never there. There will be no evidence. I mean the CSI team could come in and spray their formulas all over, but they'll find no evidence of anything that was done wrong. This Psalm 51 has a lot of use. It's, it's for the pure heart. It is a cleansing psalm. The psalm was written from a very, very personal experience that David had with the Lord. Unlike some of the other psalms where he just extols the Lord or maybe the psalmist thinks upon the Lord and begins to write some things down, this comes out of a brokenness. That David had. The message of this psalm is very clear. The message is even the worst and the most vilest offenders of the law can be forgiven if they will turn with humility to God, confess their sin, and receive God's mercy. A broken spirit, God will not reject, saints. This psalm is about a year after David sinned. 
He cried out to the Lord. And so he held this thing in him for such a long time. And if you go back and read Psalm 32, you'll see where David talks about the consequences of holding it in. Of holding in those failures. Of holding in that thing that so easily besets you because you're embarrassed that someone might find out. Here's one thing that I want my children to understand, and especially my older girls, and as my children get older, and that is this. Never, ever let anyone shame you. Now, I'm not talking about conviction, but I'm talking about never let anyone, because all it is is the enemy, point a finger at you and make you feel ashamed for something that you have done or said in your life. The reason for that is because unless it's Jesus convicting you, any other person, and I dare them to open up their closet, anyone, some bones will fall out. Come on, there's some skeletons in the closet. And so no one can shame you and condemn you because Romans 8.1 says, therefore, if anyone be in Christ... There is therefore now no condemnation for those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, God will convict you, as you'll see here in a moment. Oh, he'll convict you. He'll even get to the point of crushing you, or so you think, to get you back on the right path. But no one can shame you. It's not an entitlement mentality, but you are a child of the King. Come on. Oh yeah, you're still in the house no matter what you've done. Oh, the prodigal son found that out when he came back and he got the robe and he got the ring. Because you're still, your DNA is still that DNA of your father. Just because some of us don't act like it all the time doesn't mean that we don't still have that DNA. You're still in the house. You are still the head and not the tail. You are still above, never again to be beneath. Now the enemy will look at you and say, that's not fair. Because when I messed up, God judged me right then. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And all those with him judged just like that. But when you messed up, God made a way of restoration. God made a way because he wrapped himself in flesh. And died on a bloody cross for the remission of your sin. That didn't happen for your enemy. So don't wonder why he's so jealous of you. Don't wonder why he comes at you so hard. He's jealous because you are a child of the king. But God wants our heart to be right. This psalm here, Psalm 51, it really is a testimony, saints. It is a transparent heart cry to God. Some of us need to speak to God with a transparent heart. Come on, some of us have swept some things under the rug and not really had those things taken care of. But guess what happens when you sweep something under the rug? It will rear its head again. It will become one of those things that so easily besets you. But God is saying, listen, I already know what it is. I've already seen it. In fact, 
I already knew what it was before you did it. Before you thought it. Before you acted it out. In fact, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Everything that you would ever do. So there's no need to be embarrassed before God. There's no need to sweep these things under the rug. We need to bring them before the Lord so that he can work on it. Psalms 51, I believe this morning, will help us do that, saints. This psalm has many titles. It is a psalm of confession, psalm of brokenness, someone who is broken. But it is also a psalm of restoration because God is always about restoration, always. Until your dying day, he is there to restore you. There is nothing you have done that you cannot be restored. You are not so far from God that you cannot be restored into God's place for you. It is a psalm of cleansing. Only a cleansing that God can do. It's a cleansing that you cannot do for yourself. It's a cleansing that you cannot get from counseling. In fact, your counselor will point you this way. It's a cleansing that you can't get at the car wash. It's a cleansing that you can't get from Dr. Phil or watching a program on TV. This is a cleansing that you can only get from the Lord Jesus Christ by revealing yourself to him. It's a psalm of hope. It is a psalm of repentance. But it is also a psalm of unconditional love. Because, because God knew what you would do before you did it and still loves you because he set his love upon you, he has an unconditional love for you. This psalm was written not by a person who just writes to broken people, saints. This psalm was written by a broken person writing to people. Therefore, we can relate to Psalm 51 because it wasn't just some expert writing to broken people. Too often, we want to go to experts who tell us how to restore our lives, who maybe haven't been through some things. But this psalm was written by a king and a priest who has been through some things, who's messed up a few times, who's had to come back to the Lord on his hands and knees. Can anybody relate? I know I can. This is a psalm that we can relate to. This psalm is based on 2 Samuel chapter 11, as you well know. It is written from David's moral failure with Bathsheba. Great man who fell. A dark moment in a great person's life. And it shows that God responds to those who humble themselves, who admit they're wrong, who ask for forgiveness. Ask, seek, knock. How many know forgiveness is a blessing? We, while you're asking the Lord for your blessings, forgiveness is one of those blessings. And you receive the unfailing love of God. Back in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said, 
Yes, you are the man, David. You are the man. But he said, listen, the Lord has put your sin away. And God will not kill you as the law required because your heart is toward him. Psalm 51 is also a prayer. This is a prayer that appeals to God's love, his compassion. As the broken person petitions the Lord's forgiveness to show grace unto me, O God, creating me a new life, a new future. It is the prayer of a desperate person, a prayer that God hears. Come on. And not only does he hear it, but he responds to it. He responds to it. There's a song that I used to listen to called Show Me Your Face. And, and I used to wonder what this man who wrote this song, what was he really getting to? What was he talking about when he said, show me your face? But I began to listen to the words of the song. And it was a song about a man much like David who was broken. And, and, and he, had, he had done some things. And uh, he felt bad and he felt guilty and he felt ashamed. But he turned to the Lord and he said, show me your face. In other words, Lord, I just need to see your face, that you still love me, that you're still there. There's nothing, nothing worse than when you've committed a sin against someone. Maybe your father or your mother, your wife, husband, someone in your family, your best friend, and then they don't speak to you. You call them and they don't answer the phone. You leave them a message, but they don't call you back. It's a bad feeling. Have you ever been there? But you just want to hear their voice. Even if they don't say, I forgive you right away. I just need to hear your voice that you're still speaking to me. Show me your face. God is a God that if we petition him, not only does he hear us, he doesn't just hear us on the answering machine and choose not to call us back. But God is a God who hears us and responds to us. Because again, he already knew what would happen. He already knew it. Psalm 51 is written for all kinds of different people, but I jotted some down and see if you can fit in any one of these categories. Psalm 51 is written for people who have hidden failures. Well, I believe all of us at one time or another have had some hidden failures. There have been some things in your life that you've tried and maybe failed at, whether it's relationship, job, whatever it is, and we've failed and it's been embarrassing. I know I'm not the only person who's ever felt embarrassed by some things that I've failed at in my life and I didn't want to tell someone. Maybe I, I, I failed at some things and I didn't want to go back and tell Pastor Phil or tell my wife that, you know, I really messed up on this thing. Some hidden failures. Maybe I tried a venture and everybody was so happy for me and they prayed for you and they, they cheered you on and you went out and you failed. Now I have all these people who are behind me. How do I go back and tell them that I failed? It's embarrassing. But how many know that embarrassment sometimes holds us back 
from our greatest blessing. I remember one time I was going to church back in Columbus, Ohio, and I was one of the keyboard players there at this church. It was a church of about 1,200 people, and and uh, it's so silly now when you think back on it. And I, I, I missed service one Sunday for something. I can't remember what it was, but I missed service that Sunday. And then it came to the next Sunday, and I missed service again, two Sundays in a row. And the second time it was for a much sillier reason than the first Sunday. So I said, man, I missed church. I really should have went to church today instead of doing laundry or whatever it was I did that Sunday. The next Sunday came about when I already missed church two Sundays in a row. So now this thought came to my mind, I don't want to go back. To, now what am I going to say? Am I going to say I was doing laundry last week? Because they, they're going to ask you, we missed you last week. And especially me being part of the worship team, the worship leader is going to say, what happened to you last week? I knew you were there the week, you had to be gone the week before, but we didn't see you last week. Is everything okay? What happened? So now I'm going to have to explain. So I, I missed church a third Sunday in a row. And so now the fourth Sunday came about, and it was like, man, I've missed three and I really don't have anything to say now. And having grown up in church, I know I need to be in church. So I'm highly convicted. No, I need to be in church. So I tuck my head between my, you know, legs and tail, all those things. And I said, you know what? I just got to go back to church. And whatever it is, I'm ready for it. I had all my stories and, you know, whatever I was going to say and whatever it was and, uh, you know, I tried to come up with some stories without lying, you know, just to, I was going to skirt a little bit on the edge, but not really lie because I'm going to church. So why go to church and lie? That doesn't make sense. And so I had all this together and I went back to church that Sunday and I was fully prepared just to sit down in the congregation. It's a church of 1200 people. So uh, I figured maybe I wouldn't be noticed. Yeah, you're on the worship team. I'm, I figured maybe I wouldn't be noticed. I would just sit in the congregation and, you know, just kind of ease my way back in. And maybe one day they say, oh, Michael, are you, you've been here. I say, yeah, I've been here. I don't know where you, what you're talking about. That was my plan. But as soon as I walked into church, the pastor saw me. This was before service. I see you, Michael. And he yelled out, hey, Michael, it's good to see you. But he called me up, hugged me, said, man, I missed you so much. Get back on the keyboard because we need you. And the worship leader said, man, we missed you last week. We did that one song that you wrote and uh, you weren't here to do it. But praise God, we're going to do it again this week. And I was like, is anybody going to say anything about how come I wasn't here? Nobody ever said anything. And I fit right back in. And the thing is, we make mountains out of molehills. And we cause ourselves so much undue stress because of trying to sweep some things under the rug. But guess what? Those same things that we're sweeping under the rug, somebody else is over there sweeping under their rug. You trying to hide it from them, they're trying to hide it from you. We all have come short of the glory of God. All of us. And so no one can condemn you. So when you have some hidden failures, 
Go back to Psalm 51. And I dare you to compare your hidden failures to the hidden failure of David, this king of God's people, this priest who went and got the Ark of the Covenant that the presence of God dwelt in and brought it back to his people and then failed. Compare some of your hidden failures to his and see where you stack up. This is a psalm for people who have a broken life or may have experienced a broken life. Maybe you've had some disappointments in your life. You're like me, you've, even some of your closest friends may have disappointed you. Well, guess what? We're people, and you're going to be disappointed. And guess what? Even further, we're all people, you're going to disappoint some people. Even when you're trying not. Now, that's not an excuse that you can just disappoint people. God forbid, Paul said. But it happens. We disappoint each other. And when you're disappointed, sometimes you feel broken. Or your brokenness can come because of some of these hidden failures that you've had. You become a broken person. But David said with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, I come back to you, Lord. I come to you, Lord. This is a song for people who maybe have given up on themselves. You know anybody like that? Because there have been people who not just have one hidden failure, just two hidden failures, not three, not four, not five. Abraham Lincoln failed, or was it Thomas Edison failed, what, 150 times before he invented the light bulb. Abraham Lincoln failed several times too. Business, I I wonder if people knew how Lincoln failed if they would have voted him to be president. They would have said, boy, if you can't even uh, be successful in some of these businesses that you've tried, how can you run a country? One of the greatest presidents that we've ever had. He did not kill vampires. He was not a vampire hunter, as the one movie suggests. (laughs) But no, he didn't, as far as we know. But he was a great president. But he failed. He failed, and he could have stayed in his brokenness, but he didn't. David could have stayed in his brokenness. This is a psalm for people who may have some guilt and some shame. Maybe the enemy has pointed his finger at you and said, look at what you've done. You haven't even been to church. Those people were counting on you, and you failed. You said you were giving up cigarettes, and now look at you. You said you weren't going to talk like that anymore, and now look at you. You said you weren't going to do those drugs anymore, now look at you wagging of the finger that's what the enemy does it's his greatest weapon the wagging of the finger you're supposed to be the pastor you're supposed to be the usher you're supposed to be the worship leader you're supposed to be an elder in the church you're supposed to be the envy of you're supposed to be the one person in your family who did good now look at you that's what the enemy will say and it brings a feeling an emotion of shame to us But there's a new creature in there. There is a new creature that God created. One that has never failed. One that is not made up of flesh. One that relates to the Spirit of God because it has the DNA of God. One that is an overcomer. There is a new creature in there that the enemy cannot touch. All he can do is give you what? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. 
can't make you do anything. That's who you are. That's why we sing that song, I know who I am. And you have to know who you are. I know who I am. I am yours and you are mine. This is a song for those who may have lost their joy. Maybe some have lost their joy based on some hidden failures, based on you've given up on yourself or based on some guilt and shame that the enemy bestowed upon you and now you've lost your joy. But listen, God gives joy and the world cannot take it away. Maybe there are some instances where you are not happy. But listen, happiness comes based on happenstance or circumstances. Joy is from the Lord. God brings joy. And he is able to restore. And joy is something that the enemy can never, only you can give it away. If you don't have joy this morning, I'm here to tell you that it's not because someone stole your joy. It's because you gave your joy away. Now get it back. Because God has it for you. Get it back. Come on, saints. Get your joy back. It's a choice. Choose to be happy. Choose to walk in joy. No matter what's going on around you. No matter the mountains or the mole hills. No matter what your enemy might say about you or talk about you. No matter your job or the gas prices or the stock market or MSNBC or Fox News or the government. No matter what's going on in the world, you can choose to have joy. Choose to have joy. This is a psalm for those who may have stepped over the line. I know I may have once or twice in my life. There's been a lot of times where I came right up to the line and tested it. And there's been a few other times where I've stepped right over the line and I knew it. I stepped right over the line. Stepped over it and I knew I stepped over the line. This psalm is for you. And this psalm is also for those who turn to God. You go through all of those things and there's nowhere else to turn. And so you turn to God. Verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 51 say, Have mercy on me, O Lord. O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. Very briefly, there's three words that David used in these first two verses. Sin, iniquity, and transgression. These three Hebrew words implies a standard, an absolute, something that this country could use, some absolutes. Come on. We're scared of absolutes today, but that's another sermon. Sins from the Hebrew word hata. And listen, everybody, I've heard a lot of people talk about sin and how it means to miss the mark, to fall short. But I want to add something to that. In my studies, when you, when you look at sin, and especially as it's used in 2 Samuel and Psalm 51, as David talks about it. Sin is, doesn't mean just to miss the mark. Now, watch this now. Please, listen to me. Sin means to know what the mark is and choose to shoot at another mark and hit it. I know what I was doing when I sinned. David knew what he was doing when he was walking on top of his castle. And he looked over and he saw Bathsheba. Because now there's a choice. He knew what the right mark was. 
But he turned and shot his arrow at another mark and he hit it. I like to tell young people, it's not that you don't hit the mark, but it's just that you were aiming for nothing. And guess what? You hit it dead on the button. Often you hit what you aim for. The question is not whether you hit it or not, it's what are you aiming for? And so sin, that's what sin really is. Yeah. I know what the mark is, but I voluntarily chose. And then we use some excuses to justify it. But it's a voluntary thing. Transgression from the word pisa means to rebel or go back from the uh, the, 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 what the Lord told me to do. I shrink back. That's, that's what it means to transgress. God told me to do something and I say, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I can't do that. But again, it's knowingly doing it. You transgress. It's a clear defiance. And you know what it is in the end? It's really rebellion. That's what transgression is. Iniquity. Awan. It means guilt. Wrongdoing. It's, it's a chink in our armor. But guess what? I'm here to tell you this morning that iniquity is a chink in the flesh armor. Not in the new man. Not in the new creature. Pastor always says, which dog are you going to feed? You're going to feed the flesh or you're going to feed the spirit? The flesh or the spirit. Sin, saints, can be very destructive. But God is a restorer. He is absolutely a restorer. God comes and he would have mercy on us. David asked him, have mercy on me, Lord. He said to blot out, to wipe away, to erase, to cancel, to obliterate or destroy my sin. Totally with no trace left, no longer in it. I'm trying to tell you this morning who you are in Christ. And we need to deal with the sin issue because God's already dealt with it. He's dealt with it already. In fact, I, I, sometimes I don't understand how he has such patience when we keep going through things over and over. And he's saying, I've dealt with this thing already. I've dealt with it. Yes, but you don't know what, uh, you don't know what I did. I didn't go to church three weeks in a row. Well, guess what? Get up and go to church. It's very simple. Ask for forgiveness, repent, let's go. There's a lot of stuff to do. The church needs to be set on fire. There are those who are not part of the kingdom and you're worried about yourself. Repent. Get up. Come on. Let's go. The series coming up called The Go Church. The Go Church. Preach that one day. We need to go. It's what Jesus told us to do. When he was standing on top of the mountain, he said, all right, I'm leaving you guys now. I'm going to... I'm getting ready to go on up. Wait a minute. I forgot to tell you something. Go! Out! Go! David said to wash me. To wash dirty clothes with a strong liquid. It's what God does. A strong liquid. It's even stronger than all temperature cheer. Tide. All those things. Shout. David said, cleanse me, make me clean. And then he said, create in me a new heart. Now God is a restorer. Here are the things, I'll leave you with this. Here are the things that he restores for us. And here's what he wants to do this morning. 
He wants to restore our life. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me by your right spirit, the King James says. But he wants to restore our life, to return to a place in the same condition as the prior state. He'll bring you right back to where you left off. And guess what? All the time you're wasting is simply that. It's just time. You can get right back to where God had you and then go further. He wants to restore our life. He wants to restore our heart. Give us a heart. If we're going to be on fire for God, it has to start in the heart. You have to have a heart for it. If you have no heart and no vision, you'll never really be on fire. It'll be a false flame that will, that will go out. We need to be on true fire for the Lord, and it starts in the heart. Restore my spirit, O oh God. The breath of God, breathe into me the breath of life. Restore me, O oh God. Restore your presence. This is what we really need. It's God's presence so that when you walk, everywhere you go, you know that you are in the middle of God's will and you feel his presence with you. This keeps you from doing wrong or from turning to the right or the left. His presence with you. Restore to me, O oh God, your presence. Restore my joy. I gave it away, but I'm asking you, Lord, to restore it unto me. And then restore my stability. God, I want to be stable in you. Sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I'm down. Almost level to the ground. <laughs> but I want to be stable. God said he picked us up out of the miry clay. David confessed it. And he said, I set your feet upon a rock. A rock. And I established your goings. Set your feet upon an immovable rock. Restore unto me, God, my stability. I'm tired of being wishy-washy. Tired of making the uh, same mistakes of my youth over and over again, doing the same thing. Keith and I talk about this. The, you know, we define the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. You are insane. <laughs> restore to me, oh God, stability. Restore my reach. Restore my worship. Restore my heart worship to you. I don't just want every day to be the same. I want a relationship, an experience with you. Restore my vision and my love for your house. This way I'll do some work in your house. I'll volunteer when I'm needed. <laughs> Come on now. Because I love your house. I love your house. Restore that to me. Restore that vision. Psalm 51, 18 and 19, do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. God is a restorer. He restores all those things unto us. And so, if you're like me, I believe there's some people here today that may need some restoration in their life. Maybe your joy is gone. Maybe your stability has wavered some. Well, God is here this morning to restore those things. Amen.